This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Podcast ain't played nobody. Uh, Go to afootballwebsite.com. Please give us your email address and then we will sign you up for the Read Option newsletter. And that's going to give you all kinds of fun information. The Banner Society actual website, it's coming, y'all. You've been asking. It's going to be there. It's going to have all this fun, exclusive content. But we also want you to sign up for the Read Option newsletter. You're going to get all the information about Podcast Ain't Played Nobody, about Shutdown Fullcast, about all the fun, dumb, weird things we're doing in places like Twitch. I mean, I don't know. Y'all invent a social media platform. We'll show up and redneck it out. Um, Two interviews today. Nick Rolovic from Hawaii. Mike Bobo from Colorado State, both out at Mountain West uh, Conference Media Days in Las Vegas a couple weeks ago. Big thanks to the Mountain West Conference for setting all this up. They gave me my own sort of like little private Vista thing at this resort where I could talk to the coaches one-on-one. They were awesome. They helped set all this up. Uh, Bobo and Rolovic, they are both coaches. They are both former quarterbacks themselves, Um, diametrically opposed in personality, but it's funny because we ended up talking about a lot of the same stuff. Nick Rolovic, here's the deal. We only got like 20-ish minutes with him because he is so damn popular at this event. He is so damn popular, and the interview starts where I'm talking about professional wrestling, my former life, because Nick tried to book Ric Flair to show up at Mountain West Media Days. Instead, he got a fortune teller. Um, Last year, he had a Britney Spears impersonator who ended up swearing a bunch in front of the the Mountain West uh, president, commissioner. Didn't go well. We talk a lot about that. We talk about um, him being a former quarterback and fun injuries. And we also talk about um, also just as a side note, my my wife, my actual at 38 Godfrey wife is uh, is pregnant again. We talk about having a bunch of kids and uh, his advice on how to sire twins. Um, we do not endorse his medical advice, to say the least. You'll just have to listen to it. Uh, Mike Bobo. Went through, you know, a hellish situation last year, was sidelined, if you didn't know this, was sidelined with a neurological uh, condition, essentially lost numbness in his his arms and uh, hands and legs, extremities. He's still fighting to get all that back. Uh, just kind of changed his entire perspective. You know, where we're from in the South, we know Mike Bobo has, has run the damn ball Bobo and 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 kind of a Georgia legend and an and OC that was loved and hated. We talk a little bit about that. We talk about recruiting Atlanta. We talk about how to recruit when you're out west and also just his genuine gratitude to be back working and, and you know, even the bad parts of the job are good good parts after you go through something like that. And, uh, yeah, we, we talk a lot about family. Um, it, uh, it was fun to talk to two very different coaches and end up kind of in the same themes and how strange the profession of coaching is right now. So 
Uh, here's what I think you should do other than go to a football website.com and sign up for the read option by giving us your email. I think you should at my boss, celebrity hot tub, Ryan nanny with the hashtag Aloha Godfrey, because we only got 20 minutes. I think after the 20 minutes with Rolovic, especially you're going to think, you know what I need? I need more of this content in my life. I need like five hours. I need a, a some sort of like narrative podcast with Nick Rolovic in which Godfrey goes to Hawaii for like, I don't know. I mean, a week and a half. I mean, I don't want to be out there too long. I think we probably need that in our travel budget at Banner Society. So all you have to do, at Celebrity Hot Tub, hashtag Aloha Godfrey. I mean, I just think it's good for the brand, honestly. I mean, that's that's what we're, we're here to do is serve you guys. So if you guys demand a Nick Rolovic narrative podcast where I'm in Hawaii for 10 days, then I don't see how we couldn't, honestly. Um, check out uh, afootballwebsite.com sign up uh, here is Nick Rolovic and Mike Bobo thank you for listening yeah, I, worked in, I worked in pro wrestling for four what years what did you do there? I did a little bit of everything TV production really? PR well, that's awesome. I was a fixer I would take him around kind of like what he does but you're probably not as big of a problem mm. as pro wrestlers are are they problems? they can be really? European hotel late at night Yeah. oh yeah scariest moment of my life was I was young trying to get a mortgage wife and I just got married Rick is in I think we're in like the hotel bar of like a Marriott in Cincinnati he's bought everyone in the house around multiple times except he's he's got nothing on him so I've got like the standard issue young guy $2,000 credit card Yeah. yeah It was uh, it was an interesting night. We negotiated out with some autographs for the bartenders. So, yeah, Nate is an interesting cat. Uh, was the fortune teller better or more effective than Brittany? Um, I'm not sure it was better. I think it took a, a little turn, right? I right. Mean, it was a little bit more than just an impersonator. There was something that was more interactive. Um, a lot of people were scared of it. Why? Yeah, people don't want to know their fortune. You know, there's maybe witchcraft. You know, there's a lot of a lot of different beliefs out there. So, um, I thought it was just a little bit different twist. Tell you what, it's getting hard to figure out what to do every year. Right. I feel like you pay uh, media days the proper amount of (laughs) attention and respect. (laughs) Well, I I think it brings attention to the conference. I think the conference deserves maybe not not. You know that at least people are talking about the conference, right? And that's, um, I think the mountain. What you know, one one day I just I'm gonna, one year I want to not do it, and then see how our media hits are. Then you know, see if it drops down. Yeah. Did you really try and get the monkey from the Hangover? The first year. Yeah. Yeah. No monkey. No monkey policy. There's there's like hotel permits, and I was probably a little bit behind, and it's, they're expensive. Those monkeys to put a monkey in a hotel in Vegas. Yeah, there's like okay. live animal permits and I mean and it was, the, was it was the monkey from the hangar. I don't that's the rumor. Was, I don't know here. if it was the okay. monkey. Well, it's a we'll, similar monkey. We'll print the legend. Yeah. Cuz yeah. that's what everyone was talking about. <laughs> okay. like, he had, he had the monkey from the hangar like you were Well, I had it him. I had it lined up. Yeah. But then first off, it was pretty expensive and then these, this paperwork and the hotel had to sign off on it. <laughs> I didn't have time to get all that done. What is the uh, what is the commissioner or anyone else ever said to you about all this stuff? Is it just like a begrudging uh, smile or? Uh, I don't think they're as comfortable with it. Um, you know, 
I think they like it because it brings attention. Yeah. But uh, it is a little different. You know, I was a little bit worried last year when Britney Spears, you know, I was actually in an interview and I said, oh, go say hi to the commissioner. I text her that. She said, I'm here. I said, go say hi to the commissioner. And she walks up and she goes, hi, I'm Brittany. Drops the B. Drops the B. Gives, gives the old to intro. To the commish. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, God, did this start bad? Look, it's authentic. So I had to go apologize. But he, he was great. Yeah. He was great. And uh, I think, I think she, was a, she was a good hit. Do you ever worry about this kind of stuff? Because this, this environment of coaching is so straight-laced where guys are always on brand, Always on message. There's very little levity anymore. That's fine. I, yeah. I'm probably not very good at doing that. Yeah. You know, um, I don't think it hurts anybody what I do. You yeah. Know? And it, it's too hard of a job not to have fun. And there are guys who are, you know, I don't know if it works everywhere, but I think um, it's a nice combination with Hawaii because I think local people have good good humor. Um, uh, like to laugh, like to enjoy there's not a lot of pretentiousness in the island, so I think all that kind of fits. And you are the reason why everyone's walking around the pineapple right now, correct? <laughs> correct. Yes. Okay. We brought pineapples this year. I saw the Fresno State players were especially happy with their pineapples. Yeah. 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 Well, I had some extras and I saw them, so I get, we really we started this three years ago. And I this is I emailed all the coaches. I said, hey, we're, we're gonna, I'm gonna bring a gift. That's kind of what we do in Hawaii. Everyone bring a gift from your region, um, you know, and either celebrate like Wells gave us all the ice cream from the creamery at Utah state. I mean, there's ways to, um, you know, we've gotten, you know, wine from San Jose or, uh, different nuts from Fresno. I mean, there's, there's ways to showcase all of our cities at yeah. this deal too. Um, whether it's even, even micro brews or, you know, I, th- I think it was a good opportunity. Now this year we had a little, I was a little bit busy this summer, so I didn't send out the mass email. Um, but, Look, Rocky brought a gift, and guys will send gifts, you know. But I think it it it, it gave us an opportunity to showcase our cities and our region at a place where the whole media was, and that's yeah. kind of why that was the thought process with it. And plus, I think it's a it's a it's a it's a really high level league as far as coaching, in my opinion. Um, I think there's good people in this league, and and, and I think um, again, it's a little bit different than probably everybody else's media day. There's no group text amongst coaches, is there? No. no. I can only imagine. Just an email. Just a friendly email. Yeah, just a friendly just email. Just a friendly hello. Um, you've been around this conference for a while now, mm-hmm. and it seems like every year we come in and ask like a lot of really big, bold questions about survival and television kickoff times and just all of this dramatic stuff. That but I really could care less about. Yeah, that's what I kind of picked yeah. up on. Yeah. Um, that's not anything – I either have an opinion on i don't like to think about it you know if if something comes in my head i'll bring it up but really it's we're concentrated on rising hawaii to a respectable and hopefully a, a consistent level in the conference you know well, you know i remember pat hill saying we'll play anybody anywhere any place whatever i mean that's yeah. how you got to look look at it you know you could be strategic with it i just i'm maybe not that smart for enough for that i just like getting guys ready to play football everyone wants to armchair quarterback hawaii though because of the the time zone difference and you're on the island and oh yeah yeah. that's fine i mean that that that's good they're talking about hawaii football um you know and everyone has their idea of travel but um to me we're not at a place and i'm probably not a place in the conference where i should have a real uh, i don't have all the information 
to make an educated statement about all of that stuff. You yeah. know, I think there's a real dilemma with the TV. I think, you know, in which direction is this going to go? Where is this, you know, have we have we topped out as far as money and where, you know, all that stuff is, you know, technology catching up. I mean, that, that's, a, right. that's a real conversation. Right. Um, but that's not what I believe I was hired for. You know, I just want to coach football and, and have fun doing it. And hopefully I'm just – you know, I, I think we're living in the golden age of, of coaches. I mean, the amount – I mean, all the coaches we came up didn't make any near, near the money, right? Right. They still had a, a similar impact on kids. Um, so I think we all as coaches should be very um, very grateful for our opportunity and time in this game. You know, 150 years, you know, for probably 125 of them, people were doing it because they truly, truly loved the game. Right. Now you get a chance. You truly, truly love the game, and you're getting compensated real well. And, and, and I just, to me, um, maybe I take a different approach. I mean, this is we are we are very lucky, and I'm going to enjoy the heck out of it. You know, right? Somebody's going to fire me someday, but until then, I'm going to I'm going to have fun. Why do you think that prevailing sentiment isn't shared? I mean, why is everybody so know. stressed? There's a lot of obvious answers to that question, but it's not like, you know, these guys I feel like are all well-rounded human beings in the coaching community, the guys I know privately mm-hmm. or with their staff or mm-hmm. even with their kids. Most mm-hmm. of them are great, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. but then, it, but then publicly it's, it's this just almost impossible task that you're supposed to be everything to everyone. I think maybe it's because of the money that's at I stake, pro- the I brand. Some of that. Yeah. And some of that you're, you're look, you know, that amount of money moving around, you know, and, and it's coming from somewhere. It's coming from people who probably want answers and real answers. Right. You know, um, and I can give real answers, but I'm not going to, I'm still going to laugh. I think people, I, I like people in general. I yeah. like, um, you know, I think the big, one of the biggest things, I like our ability to have a positive impact on our youth, you know, uh, as I really take joy in that. Um, you know, you see in little kids, you know, you you can you can you can feel it in their eyes when they meet Cole McDonald. You know what I mean, or Chevin Cordero. I mean, these these are big moments in these kids' lives. And right. um, I try to prepare our guys because there was some time where that happened to them, where either that was someone told them they could be a great football player, or they met one of their idols, or somebody impacted them like that. And this is their opportunity to to do it for somebody else. The uh, I want to ask about the end of your playing career. Okay. Because you, you did the tour, man. Yeah. You did it all. I was uh, Almost. I didn't do Canada. You didn't do Canada. Yeah, right. But you Canada. did a lot. I did a lot. So it actually, I was looking through your bio and it reminded me, Neil Brown was telling me a story about how he knew his life as a wide receiver was over and that maybe coaching was a good idea. He was in an AF2 game uh-huh. as a wide receiver. Oh, he went AF2. <laughs> he gets <laughs> pinned up but in like the boards uh-huh. that they basically have in uh-huh. hockey uh-huh. and then gets speared in the chest and he's laying there. And there's like 70 people in the stands. And he's looking at the lights and he's like, you know, maybe maybe it's time to go coach. <laughs> Did you have that? I had one of those. And yeah. I wish I could remember the guy's name. He was a defensive lineman for the Bears. I think there were some mental health issues at some point. He found his way in the Arena League. We're having a scrimmage down in Arizona. I believe he was – I know we were – I was with Arizona. I forget what team he was with. I, I wish I could find his name. Um, so I, I decided to go with the hard count. Okay. Right? In a scrimmage, I'm playing behind said Bonner. I'm getting a couple reps. Boom, hard count. This guy j- jumps, so center snaps the ball, so I take it. This guy doesn't stop. 
I mean, this is a massive human being, picks me up, slams me, shoulders done. I said, you know, one hard count for five yards just <laughs> blew my shoulder up. I think it's time to – God, what, you don't know the guy's name? Ah, he was – I think – um, I'll stick it in on post. We'll make yeah. it. We'll make it look like it sounded like we knew exactly what his name Maybe was. Maybe Alonzo. Look it up. The last place you're listed is Las Vegas, actually. Yeah, the Gladiators. Yeah, and then before that, you played for the Rhine Fire. Rhine Fire. I love in the, the Rhine. Bowl. That's right. We went to the World Bowl. And then you went back to Germany and played again. Yeah, but I don't know where this other Germany thing is. That, that never it's on happened. your wiki page. Yeah, but who who does that? Because I, I don't know. do that. I, that is that is completely untrue. You were never in Germany. I was for the Rhine Fire. Okay, but, but not, not for that second team. Yeah, I'm not, I forget what it's called, but I, people keep asking. German Football League. Yeah, no. Dresden Monarchs is what no, it was listed as. Never. So I was looking at that. No. No. No, I'm not sure where Dresden is. Somewhere in Germany. All of the advances in technology that everyone seems to be super paranoid about in terms of rights deals and all this actually kind of has to help you guys because I imagine you would think we'd be valuable to somebody time slot wise. Is that what you're talking about? That, but also just exposure Yeah. because there's this whole culture. I don't know how, how aware you are of this, but like when it's midnight on the East coast and maybe some young 20 somethings are in a bar, Hawaii football is on and it has become the adopted team of, of many a late night viewer. Yes. Of, of young adults who are awake. I like that a lot. Yeah. You're very much like a like a Conan O'Brien type yeah. influence, yeah. Um, and and then that's that's one of the things, one of the advantages we have. Yeah, you know, um, you know, again, the rights deals, the TV deal, I, all that stuff. It, it, right now, we're pretty convoluted. We got the league, we got a pay per view deal, we got you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff that I don't quite understand. But if we could take advantage of that time slot a little bit more, I think I think we should. What's the way to do that? Well, I don't know who. Again. This ESPN Plus and this whole—I don't understand all that. I yeah. don't know where that's going, but I would think that consistent time slot every Saturday at home, you know, and and you know, it's it's even it was even more in the past. I think when we had more home games, right? You know, now we're about even. We're about half and half. This year we have eight home games, so you know, a couple mixed up with timing. Like Arizona's going to be four thirty. We're not going to be in our six o'clock Hawaiian time, but it's still late enough where I think people enjoy watching it. How advantageous is it to you to start early? Because a lot of coaches. So when this week zero game got announced, <sighs> Florida Miami people yeah. were flipping out because yeah. other coaches here in the mainland were like, "Well, we want that extra week. I know. We want that buy." Yeah, but you guys get that all the time. Well, we've got it the last few years. Um, I, I actually thought it would give us more value TV wise. I thought we could leverage it a little bit more. I think um, some guys in the conference have tried to get it. Yeah. Um, I think they've tried it. Uh, I don't think Colorado State wants to do it again. Um, I think San Jose may have tried it, Nevada, but I'm not sure they've got everything out of it they thought they might as mm. far as you, you would assume week zero people are salivating for football. You'd be the only game on, you know. Right. But um, what it really does is cuts the kid, you know, you're talking about discretionary weeks in the summer and how much they can work. This cuts into – this goes it, it, it's not like it it does help you in September and whatever that buy comes right but if you go backwards rewind you know your kids and, and really where you see that is the coaches don't have the time off in July that they used to have right <laughs> and the kids you know are working you know I, I just think you would like one more good week of weight training and I think we're going into the summer in rewind that's 
that's just having an effect not a horrible effect on everything but it does yeah. affect kind of your, your your yearly timeline see most coaches would say well we get our hands on them we can monitor them they're under our watch you know yeah, there's these no- kids are working how much are they working already right you know what i mean these kids are you know i wish you know they they are good when they have something to do and it kind of cuts out a lot of the worries but you know i think we're at a point where these kids are they're given a lot of their time in a year and and it's good and you need to but it you know there's not much more they can give as far as time right you know what about coaches though too because the new conversation yeah, topic ridiculous. I mean, some of these assistant coaches, especially, and it really is, it's a byproduct of the Saban era, or at least not even maybe what goes on, but what's represented of this, you work it until the nth degree, no matter what, and Mm -hmm. then you work it again and again and again, and it's become this 24-hour culture for assistants where, you know, that's sort of the undercurrent of Clemson winning two titles, where it's it's a little bit more of a relaxed atmosphere where guys see their kids, you know, allegedly at least. Yeah, I agree with that. Um I'll, I don't think I'll ever get to that point. I don't know how much. What are you going to do for that long? I mean, in season, if you're getting ready for an opponent, I get it. But what are you going to do in 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 January on a Thursday? If you're not, you know you got probably got an official visit starting soon. What I mean, I, I I try to take advantage. I if you're in the office, yes, there's always going to be something to do, you know. But like I'll come in sometimes, and I'm pretty spontaneous. And, and we have guys who, you know, they like planned out stuff, and I try to get better at that. Here's your plan. I'll come in and say, hey, we're closing down shop. Get the heck out of here. I don't want to see you. Go home. Yeah, we don't have any plans. We weren't uh, – yeah, but you go just get out of here. There's not, there's not that much you can do to me. I, don't, I just don't think – I don't want to live that way. Right. Does this feed back into that perception of culture, though, where it's like it's got to be 24 hours a day or it feels like my coach isn't working hard enough? No, I I don't I don't I don't judge them on how many hours they spend in the office. Right. Um, I I want them their academics taken care of. I want their guys prepared for the game and I want them to know that their position coach cares for them more than than just a pawn on the field. Yeah. and you know we want to talk about family 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 well before you know it your 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 own kids going to be gone yeah i've i've got that more from older coaches is hey don't raise other people's kids without raising your own too you know what i mean and we are we're helping a lot of i i I believe that we're we're here for these these young men but if you also have kids of your own wives of your own how much of these wives sacrifice right you know what i mean you're 40 yeah you have four four what the, what's the age spot. range? Look at that bald spot. No, I get. Look, man, I got that two with one on the way. I was not gray last year. You're not even close to gray. You're, you're oh like man, a, I, coach, I you appreciate got like a this. Sparkle is what you got. A sparkle. Yeah. Look at me. I'm kill a, the media with I'm, kindness. Zebra it up. Look at this thing. <laughs> <laughs> Zebra it up. Uh, any advice for multiple children after two? Everyone always says, oh, yeah, you're going, man, is so deep." No. I got twins, so that's another. Yeah, that's I was reading that in your bio. Deal. That was a curveball, right? Yeah. Do you have a family? Well, let me tell you. Let me tell you this story before we go. This is a good. This is a true story in the Nevada quarterbacks. So I was doing push-ups at that point in time. I was daily push-ups before practice, but not like a thousand, but you know, you get your hundred in, whatever. And then we're talking before practice with QBs, and they're like, "Coach, you're gonna have another child." I said, "Well, my wife wants to have another one. I'm good with the two we got." And then I said, "If she wants to have another one, we're gonna have twins because I've been doing my push-ups." 
And then no way. Banged out twins. So push-ups are? I don't, well, for me. Right. But then you got to treat, you know, I think the hard thing, multiple kids is don't compare them to the next one. They're all individual, right? That's, and twins, it's even harder to do that. Push-ups for twins. All right, there you go. Push-ups for twins. You are not a licensed medical doctor. <laughs> However, if it works, it works. That's right. All right, Nick, <laughs> Nick Rolovich, I appreciate it. All right, thanks, brother. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So I gotta, I'm, I'll tee one up for you pretty easy. I know it's easy to recruit to Fort Collins because I live in Nashville. I was talking to some Arkansas alumni last summer. And I said, you guys should make that trip. I'm like, I don't know. You know, I don't really know anything about it. And I said, look, I think you're really going to enjoy it. I know it's a good place to recruit to. When you tell an SEC fan base to go somewhere, they lose. And they come back and they go, man, it was a really great town. <laughs> it was a really great time. It, it is an unbelievable place. It was one of the reasons why, you know, I wanted that job. It's a great place to raise a family. And that's important when you're, you know, recruiting players too. It's a, you know, it's a safe environment. It's a great, it's a college town. Uh, I mean, I bet I get 90% of the, the families that come in, they're like, this wasn't what I expected. You know, they, you know, they think you're going to be in 10 foot of snow year round. And I mean, it's just a beautiful town, beautiful campus, great place to, great place to go to school, great place to live. What, um, how often do you, do you feel like you lean on the South in terms of recruiting? I'd say a a lot. Uh, You know, we recruit to four big states that everybody recruit, California, Texas, Georgia, Florida. But, you know, recruiting is about relationships too. And I have a lot of ties and a lot of relationships in the, in the South and, you know, Atlanta's kind of a melting pot. You know, a lot of those kids grew up there. They're not necessarily, you know, want to stay home. They've traveled their whole lives, and they might have ended up there. And then, to be honest, kids travel nowadays. And right. then we're on TV every week just like everybody else. So I think that's kind of changed recruiting too, where before it was, you know, I got to go where I can see my son play, and now you can see him every week on TV. So, But it's definitely a, a, a big recruiting base for us. I think we have, you know, over 30 guys from the southeast on our team. Was Atlanta ever anybody's town? I don't think it ever was anybody's town. You know, everybody, you know, you got to keep the in-state talent at home, at home, at home. But it's it's tough. You know, you go down to South Georgia, uh, you know, and that's a little bit different there. But Atlanta has always been – it's kind of up for grabs. Kid might be the best player in the state, and he's – you know, he might have lived there, you know, just his high school years or his whole family. They really don't have ties to, to that state. So it's uh, – you know, it's a hard place to recruit. That's why everybody flies into Atlanta to recruit. Absolutely. Is it different than than like a Dallas, Houston, San Antonio in that you still have – usually when you look at the state of Texas and recruiting at the top, you'll always see UT, A&M, OU maybe, and then everybody kind of rushes in. But Atlanta, you know, and you were at Georgia for so long, you know, 
Atlanta really feels like it can go. There, any there's direction. no question. You know, you recruit Texas, and we recruit Texas hard, but it's it's a little harder to to make inroads in Texas if you're not from Texas. If okay. you don't have some kind of history there as a high school coach, or you know, you know, it's their their they they their guys mostly go to Texas schools. Now, there's a lot of them in that state. It's a huge state where at, at Atlanta. Uh, not just the players, but their coaches. That you know, uh, Georgia plays. Georgia pays well uh, for coaches and teachers. And so, I mean, you might. It's not a coach that actually went to the University of Georgia. He might be a graduate from some school, you know, across the country. Right. You know, he's not necessarily from the state and grew up liking Georgia. So you have to, you know, it's a little bit different ways to make inroads. But Texas is more. You know, we're going to take care of our boys from Texas, where Atlanta's kind of anybody's ball game so it's a little bit more like california in that respect i would say i would say so and a little okay. bit like south florida even south florida they most of the coaches and stuff are from south florida but kids will leave south florida uh right. and california the same the same way uh, you know I, i'd put georgia california and florida you know the kids will leave or texas they tend to more stay home what do you uh how do you evaluate a place like denver that is growing year by year in terms of football, we, you know. well, I, I mean, I'd love for you know there'd be over 100 Division One kids in the state of Colorado, <laughs> right. you know, and then you just you know you're driving to those kids, and you know, unfortunately, there's been 10 to 15, uh, you know, every year since I've been the, been the head head coach at Colorado State, but I do think it's improved. Uh, each year you see a growth in a number of kids that are that are going and that's because of the population that's growing in Denver and outside of Denver so I think as that happens uh, you know football will continue to grow and you'll get more and more players but there are more and more people recruiting in the state of Colorado now than there were when I first took the job uh, you have two former SEC quarterbacks on your staff I was going through your your roster and obviously Joe has a, a, a you know a coaching position on your staff and then I also noticed Jordan Jefferson yes you are uniquely qualified yeah to I guess transition these guys over from uh, you know arguably one of the most high pressure situations you can be in in America at that age those guys were there right yeah and then they then they go into coaching, and obviously you've got the familiarity to sort of to guide them along. Yeah, I, I mean, I you know I, I love having quarterbacks as coaches. Uh, you know, playing quarterback is a, is a tough position. Uh, you know, there's a lot of pressure, uh, and they know how to deal with that pressure. Haven't dealt with it in probably the most passionate fan base you know in the United States and in the SEC. And they've had their ups and downs, both of those guys, and were able to you know fight through it and be successful. And anytime you're, you're dealing with players, you know, not necessarily the quarterback position, but kids go through so much. And when they're going through something, they think they're the only ones in the the world going through something tough and right. then to have real life experiences from joe cox or jordan jefferson hey this is what i went through whether it's football or not but these are two guys that played they 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 can google them and see them but you know when they have a bad game they're able to tell them about when they had a bad game and how they handled it and what they did to handle the pressure so i think that's great a little bit more believable for them to, to see Jordan Jefferson and then yeah yes it is and it's all about you know you know sometimes when a kid makes mistakes and you're able, you know you talk about your experiences uh, even as a head coach kid walks in the door and you know he talks about mistakes he made and then you're able to open up and say hey well this is what I did in college too you know I I think that helps young men and then now we got two young coaches in Cox and Jefferson they're able to talk about their experiences in college and their experiences playing so that's very helpful when kids are dealing with stuff it's not just about football it's about everything you still uh do you still have that categorized in your mind from your playing days every quarterback I talk to always talks about it's almost like being a pitcher you're you know if you throw 
90, 100 pitches in a game. You remember the three or four? Yeah, I do. I, I'm always the guy. You know, I remember Joe Cox always gets on to me. Uh, he says, you always talk about the three or four bad plays, you know, every time yeah. we're watching cut-ups or, you know, about this practice play when this happened. Because, you know, you're trying to be, you know, perfection. Even when you played, you, you know, you remember some of the good stuff. You usually remember the locker room and stuff like that when you win. But you remember those those plays that didn't go that well in a game when you're a quarterback. And, uh, you know, I think it's in the same way for me coaching. Man, I tend to do that with my players all the time since I've been coaching you know, and it's a way to learn from. I don't try to do it to be negative, but I point out, hey, this is what happened in this game. And, uh, you know, I did this or you did that two years ago, remembering practice. So I, I tend to remember all the bad things. It's a, just a matter of perspective, really, though. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I, I think so. It's a, it's how, you know, it's kind of how I coach. And you remember the things, why things weren't successful. And what do you, what, what should you have done, you know, that would have helped it be successful, that play, whether it was you as a player or you as a coach. And you try to learn from those experiences when you, you know, I guess fail. You know, I right. think there's, you know, when, there's a chance to learn through failure. And I always tell my guys success is on the other side of failure. If you, you know, you accept it and learn from it. So because of everything that you've gone through, and especially coming off of last year, I imagine you're probably not, it's not that you're not fired up to be here or anything, but you know, you probably knew ahead of time what you were stepping into in terms of questions you'd be asked, yeah. perspective you're at. And football's a weird sport in that you have 10 months of a single narrative. You can't do anything to change that narrative for 10 months, but you talk about it for 10 months. You know, you've been an offensive coordinator, you've been a quarterback, you know this. Yep psychologically that's got to wear not only on you but on your kids yeah it does it does wear on it does wear on you you know no matter what you say and you know hey i don't read that stuff i don't hear it. you know whether it's good or bad that stuff's out there you got to try to you know uh ignore the noise uh so to speak and you know you know you have to you know take a good look at your program and be critical of yourself but at the same time you got to believe in what you're doing uh, and you know you can't change the narrative right now like you talked about. All you can do is prepare yourself for what you're about to get into this fall. And that's been the big message, you know, with our kids and how we work. And that's one thing we can't control is what we work and what we do on a daily basis. And, you know, the only thing that's going to change the narrative is our, our performance. You know, we can get up there and say, you know, say this or say that and, you know, promise we're going to do this or that. At the end of the day, it's, it's work like anything. You got to get up and go to work. Uh, tell me a little bit about Edge. Uh, edge is a, a mantra that we've we've had for like three years, uh, and you know, coming off this last season, my number one goal was to to, to do we really know what this means? Are we really living up to this standard? And I so it is an acronym. Right? It's an acronym. Okay. And I didn't I didn't think we were, and that's from coaches on down, everybody in the program, and it was. You know, hey, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna talk about this acronym. We're gonna live it on a daily basis, and it stands for effort, discipline, gratitude, excuse free, uh, and it's something we can hold each other accountable to, player to player, player to coach, coach to player, coach to coach. Now, you know. Some player might not, you know, he sit there and he can't hold a guy accountable for he's an offensive lineman. Hey, you should have took a six inch step instead of a, you know, a drop step or a corner. How you should, they might not understand that, but they can understand if, you know, effort. We're giving 100 percent effort all the time. Are we being disciplined in everything we do? Are we being grateful for what we have? You know, and that's more of locker rooms talk. You know, you know, got your locker room lawyers that always want to complain about everything. We can hold each other accountable that, hey, we don't – and then no excuses. Don't make an excuse. Uh, you know, I tell our kids, I, you know, you know one person wants to make excuses for you, your parents, you know, because you're their child. 
And then the other people is coaches. Coaches love to make excuses for their players at their position, and that's a big message to my coaches. I don't want it, I don't want an excuse. You know, if we live by these things on a daily basis, we can hold each other accountable. We feel like it could give us an edge uh, in a ball game in the fourth quarter. So the gratitude part, you probably, I assume, have changed a little bit of perspective, or maybe just increased on gratitude with yeah. everything you've been through in the last yeah, year. Yeah, that's 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 a great point. Uh, you know, I never forget. It's it's I get out of the hospital, and it may have been a couple of days after. And my dad's in town and driving me to work, and just seeing you know seeing people walk. I could hardly walk at that time, but seeing people just walk down the street, I'm like well, I took that for granted. You know, I took the ability to walk for granted. And, and, you know, I dealt with some stuff last year, but there's so many people that are dealing with much more than I'm dealing with, life-threatening stuff. Uh, and just to be able to get back and do what I love, very, very grateful for that uh, and put kind of things in perspective of what we get to do on a daily basis and not take it for granted. Were you able to do anything in terms of, obviously, you want to be there. Yeah. I mean, you know, this is a this is an aggressive profession, and you and head coaches take on almost an impossible amount of daily tasks, right? But were you able to do anything from an administrative capacity while you were out? No, not really, not not from administrative. Uh, you know, our athletic director kind of handled all that from administrative, and you know, early on, I'm trying to get film for the football's part, and it just you know, I ended up getting moved to Denver. It was basically we got to figure out what's wrong. Uh, get get on the right track to get healthy. And, you know, it was tough. Even when I came back, I was not 100%. Uh, you know, and there were times I'd had, you know, and my, I could really only handle probably the administrative stuff and the football stuff that I was heavily involved with. Uh, I just did not have the physical strength to do that at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, over the year, uh, got better and better. And it's one of those things, it's a slow process. You know, you'd love to take a pill or do something to help, you know, those nerves comes back. Uh, but, you know, initially they said it could be up to 18 months. And I'm not 100% right now, but the things I can do now, I couldn't do a month ago. Sure. You know, but if you look at it day to day, I'm like, it's never, I mean, this is too slow a process. And early on, it was driving me nuts, you know, because I was out there, I was trying to coach, I wasn't, I wasn't myself. Uh, and I had to come to a place like, look, I'm not going to be myself this year. What can I do, all right, to show these guys, uh, you know, to lead? And I thought it was just show up and work every day. Now, did we end up having a great season? No. We had, right. we had a lot of failures, but I think, you know, you got to get up, you got to go to work the next day, no matter what happened, you know, and you got to try to improve. And, you know, I think our team learned through that. I know I learned through that. And then, you know, grateful to have another opportunity this year, you know, to change, you know, uh, what people think about CSU. But the bottom line is what we do as a team, what we think about ourselves. And I think we're in a good position right now, mentally as a football team, to handle some adversity because adversity is coming, you know, right. every ball game. It's how you handle those those situations, uh, good and bad. It's uh, Did it teach you anything new about the way that you connect and communicate to these kids? It was, that's, that's another great point. Uh, you know, I got asked that earlier today. And, you know, what's the one thing you you think you can improve, you improved on going into this year? And I think it was my relationship with the players, you know, because more and more guys would come up to me and how you feeling, coach. And it gave me an opportunity to talk to them about other things besides football. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's the one hard thing about being a head. When you're a position coach, you mean, you're able to touch your group of players and be around them all the time. When you're a head coach, I mean, you got 115, 120 guys. And are you touching all of them? You know, you're building that relationship because at the end of the day, it's the trust that you got to build as a coach to the player. 
and it's you know it's opening up yourself. You know, I, I, I firmly believe that you know we want that trust between that player. There's a little bit between coach and player because co- player wants to play. You know, but to get the true trust, you know, he's he's got to know that you believe in him and love him. And the only way you get there is you got to open up yourself first. And I was able to do that and open up and share about my things that I was going through. And that kind of opened the door between me and my players. And, you know, and I'm, you know, every day this summer, as much as I'm trying to be around, I try to go touch as many players and build relationships with those guys other than. Okay, I recruited you. I sat in your house. I saw Grandma. How's she doing? But just get to know them uh, on a personal level. But you're married. You have kids. You have a fully demanding life, and then you're also. And, and by the way, if a Colorado State player is arrested or gets in trouble, that goes to you, mm-hmm. right? In the in the public theater, we put that on you. But yet you're asked to have 115 personal relationships that are, you know, again, you're not even just trying to maintain a relationship. You're trying to affect someone. Yeah. No other play, no other occupation in the world is going to ask you to have 115 unique, deep, thoughtful relationships a year, especially with young people. So how do you how do you maintain that? It's, it's very, it's very it, it's, it doesn't seem like it's no, humanly it's not, possible. It, it's very, very difficult. And uh, like many young kids, uh like all of us, sometimes you learn through mistakes. And sometimes, you know, when a kid makes a mistake or does something that brings him to my office, it's a chance to build on that relationship and learn uh, through those mistakes. At the same time, you got to have a great support staff, too. Um, you know, you have to have guys that are touching these kids on a daily basis, whether, you know, it's your player development guys, your team chaplain. It's guys that are going to be around it, those guys. Now, ultimately, like you said, it all comes back on me uh, as the head coach. You know, if a guy does something wrong, he, you know, he's, you know, his program's undisciplined, blah, blah, blah. Uh, when in reality, it's a young man that made a mistake. You know, and how are we going to learn through that? There's going to be some kind of discipline, which I, I, you know, discipline to me is love. You know, it's not going to be, I'm going to treat you like I would treat my own child. You know, you make a mistake, there's going to be a consequence for that. But that doesn't mean I'm going to stop loving you. And I think, you know, just continuously trying to be consistent through the good and the bad with these players is how you build some uh, healthy relationships. A lot of coaches are, are becoming head coaches at younger and younger ages, different paths. And there's nothing, there's no right or wrong way to do this. But I look at someone like yourself who had as demanding and criticized a job title as you could have without being a head coach before you were a head coach. And, and we were talking before we started. I'm from Georgia. You're from Georgia. Uh, University of Georgia offensive coordinator is going to take grief. Right. Yes. They're going to take. So you you knew what it was like to field criticism for things that you may not necessarily could even control long before you were a head coach. I assume that had, you have to call upon that at certain points as a head coach, whereas some of these younger guys who are like, let's say a dynamic recruiter Mm -hmm. and they know an area and they get shot straight into this administrative sort of position. Cause that's really what you are as a head coach, right? Yep. You know, you don't, how much ball do you get to talk on a daily basis? Not as much as you want. Exactly. Yeah. So I imagine, I imagine dealing with some of the things in your career in a highly stressful assistance position is is really invaluable for you now. It, yeah, well, that's that's that is funny you say that, you know, cuz when I was, you know, getting interviewed for the job or even after I got the job, you know, how are you going to handle the pressures of being a head coach and I'm like, look, man, I was I was offensive coordinator in the SEC. You know that's that, that's pressure on a daily basis, and you know in that league it's talked about year round. 
uh, it's constant pressure and constant criticism. And it not only, you know, sometimes it can affect you, but it affects your, you know, your family and your, your children more than anything. And sometimes it can affect your players, but it's how you handle yourself on a daily basis and believe in what you're doing uh, to your players. And I think that's what I did at Georgia. And even being a quarterback in that league, you know, yeah, the, oh, the cri- criticism you take. Uh, from being a quarterback, everybody always wants to back up. Every, you know, it's it's you know, it's really to me, it's it's you know, people that it's offensive coordinator, quarterback, then head coach who gets criticized the most because everybody thinks they can play call plays. Sure. Yeah, and then everybody you know thinks that you know what the quarterback should be doing, or they right. see somebody open, and then the head coach you know probably doesn't get criticized as much as the play caller does. Well, sure. Yeah. I mean, where we're from in the United States, if you have a ten play. 70 yard drive it takes five minutes off scores a touchdown well of course you did yep. you know of course you did you recruited those guys right they can right. play ball it ain't it isn't that hard but then as soon as you know as soon as it's not that it's you know you're the idiot yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so I'm, i've been used to called an idiot and had, <laughs> had that pressure and uh you know it's something that you know i feel like i i, I handle well here i, I kind of i like pressure uh, I don't mind being under the gun. I think we all thrive uh, if you're under the gun, if you're willing to accept that accept that challenge. And, you know, the way I, I kind of deal with that is how I approach, you know, every day. Uh, you know, we're, we're, you know, I believe in our football team. I believe we got a chance to be a good football team this year because of the way we worked and the way we went about our, our things. And we focused on us, not focused on a narrative outside of our program. Now, you know, a lot of coaches say that. And that's, you know, and I've said it before and it hadn't been done because it's, it's, it's not easy to do. I mean, it's, you know, kids are going to hear things. Kids are going to read things. Kids, are, right. it's, it's, it's trying to stay focused on a daily basis. You can't assume anything every day you go to work you know you got to instill that belief in those kids that what we're doing here is going to give us a chance to be successful um and it's hard for all of us you know not to not to want to be talked about in a certain way or you know we all got egos and want to be i tell the guys hey we all got egos i want to be you know considered the best coach in the country you want to be the best player in the country uh but it's not about you know what somebody writes or somebody says is how we go about doing our job on a daily basis. Yeah, but something something tells me, you know, being an offensive coordinator at Georgia in the Southeastern Conference, you've been screamed at by the same people who probably still hit you up on Twitter today and say, hey, Dog Nation loves you. You know, oh, yeah. you get that, yeah. right? But I would assume what bothers you or what scares you the most in a, in, in a time of year like this is that psychology of the 18-year-old. Yeah. Because you can't really you can't, coach that. Yeah, you can't coach it. You know, it's it's what you know what you do as a head coach and the people you've got in position that are constantly getting the message to those kids, whether it's your strength staff, whether it's your training staff, it's your nutrition, people that are seeing them on a daily, daily, daily basis. But it's also, you know, that those leaders on your football team you know, do they understand the message and where we're coming from? And are they preaching that same message and living that message on a daily basis, you know, to, to help your football team grow? Because, you know, it's it's like you said, you know, it's it's every day, you know, 18 year olds hearing something can be affected. You know, we all, you know, sometimes I read one book on leadership and I like the way this reads. I read another one. It's something else. You know, everybody's got an opinion of the way things are supposed to be done. But we got to get everybody in line of the way we're going to do it this year and I feel like we're in a good place how's this offseason been in terms of did you how far away can you get from it in the offseason is there a moment no well there's about a week at fourth of July week you get away but you're still in contact and you're texting the players how'd it go uh you know and it's sometimes it's good to get away too where they don't see you right you know they need they need a break from coaches all the time and and, you know you've kind of gotten a year around now everybody's in summer school everybody's you know they need a little bit of a breather the same time but this offseason has been great there's been a challenge uh to our program when we came back 
uh, in January, and, and you know, it was something that was extremely hard. I did not think we were a tough football team last year. I thought we needed to get tougher uh, physically and mentally. So it was challenging the spring semester. We had accountability teams, and it went so well. We're doing it in the summer, and the kids have bought in to that where it allows you to kind of step away and let your leaders lead. You know, you got to have confidence in them. All co- you're probably going to hear coach say all the time, I got to have a player led team instead of a coach led team. Yeah, all the time. All the time. All right. Well, well, what are you doing to give those guys a platform to lead? Mm-hmm. Uh, where it's, you know, and I feel like we've, we've done that this year. I feel like we're in a good place. Now, you know, summer was hard. Camp will be hard. But how are we going to, you know, a true test is when we react to that adversity in ball games when the band's playing and you're out there by yourself. How are you going to react? How are we going to react as coaches on the sideline when things don't go well? Uh, and that's big the big the mindset that we've tried to have this year. We're not going to be tougher and stronger because of what we did in the weight room, but we're going to be mentally tougher because of that we put ourselves in the fourth quarter every day. Is there a, is there a way to know that that's happening? Is there is is there some sort of sign in all that chaos in the offseason where you think, oh, okay? Uh, I know a sign that we had uh, I had the other day. Uh, you know, morning workouts, and you know, you're I'm out there watching them run and. And then guys that didn't make a certain time uh, called them up, and they had up downs. And then there was one, you know, one one individual that had a bad bad morning, and called him up. And you know, he had, I mean, it was, I mean, maybe thirty something plus up downs that he had to do. And when he does them, the whole team does them in a big circle. And the kids did not gripe or did not complain. They all came together, especially the skill guys, and got right in the middle and did them as fast as I've ever seen anybody do it. And it was like, all right, it doesn't matter how many we got. We're going to do it. And that was an example of, hey, we're not bitching and we're not complaining about what we got to do. We're just going to do it. You know, we got personal foul in the game. We got all sides of the game. We got to line up and play the next play. And that was that wasn't me. I'm just sitting there watching. I didn't say a word, and the kids like stepped. It doesn't matter. We're going to do them, and that was pretty impressive to me. That was a sign. But then, you know, we got we got you know continue to do that. They're going to be they're going to be tougher things than doing 30 up downs that are going to happen this year. Yeah, I, that's pretty apt. That's pretty apt for you. I mean, considering everything that's gone on in the last year, I assume even the if there is. A part of the job you dislike the most, you're probably pretty happy to be doing it right now. No, I'm a, I'm a, I'm ecstatic. I'm ecstatic to be able to do what I'm doing, and you know I'm ecstatic for these young kids. They got chip on their shoulder, and you know it's not just about me. It's not. It's it's just getting our program where you know we all want it to be, and I'm a part of that, and I'm in charge of that, and. You know, I want to I want to represent Colorado State the right way. I want when our fans turn on the tape, they see they they are are turn on the tape when they come to the game, they're proud of what they saw. Guys playing their tails off, and uh, I'm excited to get this. It's been a long time because we played Thanksgiving Day Air Force. Didn't go to a bowl game, but I got divorced because I was at home so long. My wife was like, "Can you go do something?" You know, in that big break over Christmas. I always thought that was before I was married. I always thought that was a joke. Yeah. Especially because, you know, in coaching, you're gone a lot. But what I've learned, it's a little different than media, but you're gone a lot and then you're home. You don't calibrate in a marriage. Yes. They'll often be like, "Hey, when's that next trip?" Exactly. Like, yeah, you exactly. got. You got to they, go. they're, they're running the house, and you're coming home. You're screwing up how how the house is run. That's so, right. Yeah, uh, it's, you just it, work there. That's yeah, what I've that's learned. That's right. And you learn how to say "I'm sorry," and you learn how to say "You're right," and then you know, try not to do anything to screw up. You know, what you're at home, and that's kind of what I do. <laughs> well, that's uh, excellent advice, Coach. I appreciate it. Thank you.